Hey Thrivers, you're listening to the Thrive Student Ministry Podcast. Thrive is an MBSF college ministry on the campus of the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville. At Thrive, we empower students to engage in their relationship with God through mentorship, friendship, and the discovery of their purpose. For more information on our gathering times, including our events, small groups, and weekly worship, visit us at thriveuark.com or follow us on our social medias at thriveuark. This week, Jack is going to be continuing our series on the book of Galatians. Our scripture from tonight comes from Galatians 4. We hope you enjoy the message. I want us to, uh, to jump back in. Some of, some of the break kind of helps too, but anyway, he's, Paul's talking right here and, he, and he's, of course, he's, the overall theme right here, he's having to deal with, you know, deal with some issues and some problems going on in Galatia. I think, I think that for sure, like I've encouraged you to do this before, but I would definitely encourage this one to be one where if you've never just kind of stopped and read through like in one setting, like because a lot of these letters, that's exactly what they are. They were a letter to a group of people. So most likely, I mean, granted, anybody writing a long letter, you could get up and get down and all that kind of stuff. But more or less, it was meant to be read in one reading, one setting. And Galatians is kind of one of those two. And so if you've never done that, I would encourage you sit down and, and read all the way from from big from, you know from from the start to the end uh, and I think I think it does well that way but we're also able to break it up a little bit into the last several weeks and be able to kind of think in some ways and so he starts it off like this with kind of an inheritance type talk and, and he says it this way he says think of it this way if a father dies and leaves an inheritance to his young children those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up even though they actually own everything their father had, right? I don't know if you've ever kind of heard of that kind of that thought or that scenario. Of course, all you guys are kind of past that age now. Um, I don't know that I've ever really known that many people to kind of be in that situation. I did have one girl who I went to high school with that um, her parents were killed in a car accident uh, when we were like in, you know, middle school age range. Um, and so I at least heard of, I wasn't really good friends with her, so I at least heard of, you know, that, that she had someone who was taking care of her and that when she got to a certain age, you know, she would get the money. But, but more or less, you know, most of the time, that's kind of the way it works, right? Is that there's, you, you don't just get, and, and I would rightfully say so, you don't just hand a minor, you know, thousands of dollars or maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, Cause all of us, you know, how good were you with money at 14, you know? Um, it's like, yeah, please. Please invest that or do something. Take care of me. Give me what I need kind of thing. But I'd rather have the bulk, some of that, when I actually know what I'm doing uh, or actually know what I want. Um, and so anyway, that's kind of where he's at saying, OK, so, so you were, you know, you're kind of more or less like normal people, like slaves or whatever, until you grew up. Then you could actually have everything that the father had. In verse two, it says this. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father sets. And so it says, and that's the way it was with us. Before Christ came, we were like children. We were slaves to basic spiritual principles of this world. And so what is he saying right there? We were slaves to basic spiritual principles. I think that, like, that's one of those places to me that's a good place for you to do a word study. For you to kind of dive in just a little bit and kind of like, what are we talking about there? Uh, because in one sense, it doesn't sound, to me at least, when I first look at the basic spiritual principles of this world... Like, Paul, what are you talking about? You make, I mean, from Paul's standpoint, it sounds like a bad thing. Um, when you just say the basic spiritual principle of the world, I'm thinking, like, I want you guys to be applied to the basic spiritual principles of the world. Um, 
really kind of what it, the word that is behind that phrase, though, is more of a word like simplistic, fundamental, really kind of a term that could mean a, a lot of different things that came in a list, right? Like a list of soldiers or something like that. But, but really even to like maybe a term like the ABCs, right? So for instance, join in when you, when you know it, but A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. See who can, yeah, see who can race the finish. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny because uh, you guys all know that. How do you know that? Right? Because we all learn it. Um, we all, you know, at some point in time, that little tune, um, we pick it up. And then, and then if nothing else, like, you know, that those letters, right? Um, I almost said 26 and then I double fought myself and I was like, wait, no, I, I was right. <laughs> anyway, but you know, yeah, you, you know, those, you, you know, those letters, um, you, you picked up on them because they're kind of the foundation of our language, right? They're the basics, simple. It's, it's, it's that kind of thing. And so Paul uses this language in a couple time, a couple different times, and he uses it right here. But then he also uses it in Colossians. And every time that he uses this idea, it's he uses it in a very negative kind of context, and and, and it's used in a way that kind of means like men, like just just humanity, like we don't fully understand everything. We have human logic, human reason, philosophy. Um, all that kind of stuff. And sometimes like it's, it's, I would even go so far as to say, it's not bad. It's not terrible. But how many, I mean, good grief, our society right now, right? How many different philosophies or ways of thinking or that kind of stuff is just out there right now, right? And, and over the course of humanity, how many times have different trains of thought kind of moved back and forth and well, maybe it's this way, or maybe this is the right way of thinking, and then maybe it's this way, maybe this is the correct way of thinking. And so it does, it moves, and sometimes people kind of hit the nail on the head, and sometimes they kind of hit the nail on the head, but kind of not, you know? And sometimes people are just, they're off, right? Um, and so really what he's saying is, if, if you're kind of left to that, if that's, what it, if that's what it is, like that's kind of what you're left with, is this elementary, fundamental, you're just left with the ABCs and you're not going to get much better. And so that's how Paul kind of uses it there. Um, and to me, which is, you know, somewhat of a it's, a, it's a pretty big deal. And he also casts his vision for something like it's supposed, you, you need to get more. And I'm all about like fundamentals. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of, I've had this conversation lately with some of you. I've had this conversation with multiple people here lately just about like, man, some of the fundamentals of our Christian faith. Like if we would if we'd focus on those and make those a priority, there's a lot of other things that probably we wouldn't be discussing and talking about. Wouldn't, they really wouldn't, wouldn't be necessary. Um, but there is an idea of like without Christ, without him coming to take us as his children kind of thought that really all the best thing that you're left with is whatever man's reason is, whatever the philosophy of the day is. And sometimes that works not too terribly. And sometimes it's just wrong. 
right? And so that's kind of where he is. And he says, but, verse 4, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves into the law so that we could, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. I don't know if you've ever seen that language or had anybody talk to you about that, but just that idea of daddy, right? Papa, whatever, whatever the kind of kind of intimate, like three or four year old type looking up and saying, you know, daddy, running and jumping and and father embracing type feeling of, of just kind of loving whatever. And that's that's really what he's saying. So, so that we can have that kind of relationship and that kind of that kind of even tone of a father. Like for us, that to me, that sounds very formal. I don't know. It just does. But but when I when I'm able to kind of look at it and think about that side of it, like Grayson running up to me, uh, you know, three year old and being able to like run up and dad, you know, and jumping on me or whatever and messing around and, and we're, you know, hugging or wrestling or whatever, but very close, you know, no personal space <laughs> type thing. Uh, I have a pet peeve about people. I don't know. I just don't necessarily like people touching my face, um, you know, but Karen gets away with it. And then. Um, Grayson, Enoch, maybe not so much anymore. Um, <laughs> but, but so there's that line there. But, you know, like, you know, little child and just like fully we're in together. And that's really what he's saying right there. That we've been invited to that kind of relationship with God through Jesus Christ. To be able to call out like and sometimes too. sometimes. I, I mean, as a parent, it's one of the most bone chilling motivating things when the child calls out because they need you like something's wrong right like when I think about that there's there's several different instances but one particular was like I remember Enoch was um, he was sick and he's got we've had a couple different times where he's had some type of a bronchitis or something like that where it nearly chokes him I don't really know if he's actually, as a matter of fact, it's kind of been one of those things we've talked to the doctor that we've had a couple of close scares to where it's like, well, should we go see somebody or whatever? Um, and so I don't know if it's actually, because he's at the age where it shouldn't bother him anymore, but if it's actually, you know, cutting him off or if it just is really tight and he's freaking out, which, you know, I'll be it. Okay. You know, you feel like you're choking, you're cho you know, you can freak out. But one particular time was when he was about three years old and he was in the back seat and we knew he was kind of doing the barking cough and all that kind of stuff. And we were kind of, we'd, we'd been out to dinner with some people and we're headed home because the kid's not feeling well. And so anyway, but he's in the back seat and all of a sudden he starts it and he starts, <gasps> you know, and says, I can't breathe. You know, he's like, and then just dad. And, um, yeah, you're talking about <laughs> everything kicks into gear <laughs> real quick. Uh, and I think at that point in time, mom, you know, Karen had the charger. So. And I was, I was in the passenger seat and yeah, yeah, we, we stepped on it to children's real quick. Um, and so anyway, he was fine, but, but just that idea of like, and his, like he was, he was in need. Right. And so that same kind of thought process of, of either way, that's kind of the language and the tone here. And that's the thing that we've been invited to. And so. He moves on to even say, to talk a little bit more. 
It says in verse 7, it says, Now you are no longer slaves, but God's own children, or God's own child, rather. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. And so this idea that you have, you've gotten an inheritance. And the thing that, that so Paul, Paul started out this little, this little piece, right? He started out this piece with, think this way. Um, you know, and I've got to, if you guys go to the next slide there, um, it's, it's got, um, well, I guess it probably in the, in the front, but it says, you know, why does he want us to think this way? He started off at the very beginning. He says, think this way. And it really references back to kind of what he's been talking about, right? And, and one of the pieces that I, I was thinking about was just, just even if you look back just a little bit, you don't even have to go like way back and read everything. But, but if you look back in, in chapter three, verse 24, it says, let me put it another way. So Paul's been making this argument to these people. He's been trying to talk to them, explain to them um, kind of, kind of why, why they should be thinking a certain way, why they've, they, they've been struggling with some stuff. And, and I really the underlying thing that they've been struggling with is the relationship with Jesus Christ. That they were, they, were, they had other people trying to influence them. They had, you know, and Paul addresses the false teachers and that kind of stuff. But basically people who were trying to pull them back into this idea that you ought to do X, Y, and Z so you can grow closer to God. That's how you gain God's approval. That's how you get salvation. Right? And what Paul is trying to get them to understand is, hey, listen, it's about the relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about what he has done. Not really what you've done. And anyway, let's just read verse 24. It says, let me put it this way. He said, the law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could make, or so we could be made right with God through faith. And now that we have a way of faith, or the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. And so multiple different times and multiple different ways right here, Paul's trying to make sure that these guys understand something. That, that you have been invited into that relationship of Abba, Father. And you've been invited to that, not because you went to church every Sunday, not because you made certain sacrifices, not because of all those other things, but because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. That Jesus died for our sins, and He paid that price. So the question I guess I have for you is, like, you've been given a great inheritance, You've been given a great wealth. How are you going to leverage that? What are you going to do with it? I don't want to keep us here long tonight. And, and I don't also, one of the things about this, this piece in Galatians is that he's been working through this, right? And, and I, I know for us, honestly, Honestly, I really do. There's sometimes in Scripture that I don't know that we understand things and we don't get things, whatever. Um, and I'll be honest with you. In Galatians, if I, 
like I said, being honest, I think that that's probably not necessarily our struggle all the time. Is that we don't think about our relationship with Jesus Christ, especially probably from the teaching that I come from and growing up, whatever. I, I, I have, now, whether I do it or not is a different story, but, but the understanding theologically that it's about my relationship with Jesus Christ, that's what makes me right with God. I, I hear that, okay? But tonight particularly, when you begin to start really thinking about, and as Paul likens it to, you've been given a great inheritance. And like the question I asked you first, which is, you know, completely fun and innocent, whatever, and you can have that where it's like, man, having the random so-and-so, whatever, or maybe even your parents, they'll just leave you this great wealth and like you really have no idea you, like how big it was. And so life-changing, altering, dude, what am I going to do with this? And so sometimes, yes, within some of us, it might be like, yeah, you know, I kind of want, want a little something, you know, a, a little gift or whatever. Uh, but for most of us, then it's like, well, how are we going to, what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with what I've been given? And so we enter in here where God has given us a great wealth. With eternal life, with also having a connection to God, based solely on we believe that Jesus died on the cross, that Jesus was God's son, that he died on the cross for our sins, and that we can have a relationship with him. And so what are you gonna do to leverage that wealth? I like that word too. I don't know, here lately, um, for me, just trying to pay attention to things, trying to trying to learn myself. Um, financial education, just kind of in general. One of the things that I, I, I definitely have come to agree with is that really in our formal education system, nobody really teaches us how to deal with money or wealth. And I don't really mean just even money uh, because sometimes we can, we can say that it's you know, dollars you know, type money, but, but really just in general wealth. And what is that supposed to look like? And how are we supposed to think about it? And I mean like in a biblical sense, but I also mean just in a normal everyday sense. You know? um, and one thing for sure is this. Compounding interest or comp the compounding effect of money or wealth is quite amazing. And you making investments early and consistent will outpace anything that people most, you know, you know, within reason, right? If we find out you got a million dollars in five, you know, 20 years or whatever and you just lay that in, you know, okay, maybe I'll take that. Um, but most of the time, early and consistent investments beat out the late excess. And so that same principle is true within you and faithfulness and faithfulness to God and leveraging what you've been given. Is that right now at your age and many of you in this room, at least, because I know a lot of your stories, a lot of but 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 in many you're, you're taking those steps. And what I need you to know is that, that the little steps of faithfulness that you're taking now, that sometimes may seem like, I don't really know how big this is. They pay dividends and let time compound for you. 
the the little efforts and, sh and, and and difficult things of like trying to figure out how you're going to prioritize your schedule so that you actually have time to spend time in, in the Word of God. Because many of you, I would say, and like I said, in this room, knowing a lot of your stories, you know, and you would you would say that this is important. But there again, how many of us are? How many times is it easy to just kind of put it away and not spend time in it? The time to, to figure out how you're going to prioritize and, and say, yes, I'm going to spend time in prayer. Or how many times that you're going to, you're going to prioritize things like this and, and the Christian community and brothers and sisters being able to come and worship together, being able to, to, get, to go to a small group together, a community group together, that kind of stuff. And many of you, you're doing those things. And what I need you to know is that over the course of time, those are going to pay huge dividends and not to give up on it. You're making that investment now. Keep making it consistently. And we're invited into this relationship where Jesus says, or it says, Paul says right here, that Abba Father, that close and intimate relationship. I'm going to really kind of leave that with you tonight. And I want you, I want you to be thinking about how am I currently leveraging the relationship? How am I leveraging the, the wealth that you've been given? Because... In some cases, he's just like, yeah, I got my, I got my wealth, I got my stuff, and so, you know, I'm gonna do my thing. It'd be similar to if someone was handed right the 30 million, 300 million. It's like, great, I'm gonna go buy my island and my plane and my other stuff, and we're just gonna live my life right there. See y'all later. And then sometimes it's like, okay, look, hey, how can I leverage this for good? How can I be generous for good? For some of you, I want you to start dreaming dreams like that. I want you to start thinking about, man, what would it look like? And sometimes I'm, I'm literally also meaning like on the wealth side of stuff. Uh, what, what would it look like if, if all of a sudden you did have the 10 million, the 20 million or whatever it is? What would you do with that? What would you desire to do with that? For good. But then also to be thinking about, you have been given a great wealth in the relationship with God through Jesus Christ. How are you leveraging that for good? Let's pray. God, I want to thank you. God, I want to thank you for your word. God, I want to thank you for these, so many of these guys who are actually trying actively to leverage the relationship. Father, I pray that you would allow them to, to dream dreams, to have thoughts. God, to, um, to be able to think about how they're going to God, add value to. They're going to figure out how they're going to leverage this Abba Father type relationship. God, this being able to call you Dad. To know that when we are stressed, God, when we are distressed, God, when life is hard, God, that, that you hear our cry. And God, when we have great joy, God, that we know you hear us. And God, we can come to you. Father, we thank you for that. Father, I pray that you would teach us how to leverage it well. In Jesus' name, amen.